Hey everyone, how you doing? This is Amon Green, the Green Bay Packers all-time leading rusher, and you're listening to The Average Cheese, hosted by Dell and Todd, two lifelong Packer fans talking about their favorite team, the 13-time champion, Green Bay Packers. Go Pack Go! Welcome to episode 144 of the Average Cheese Podcast. The whole family is here for episode 144. Thanks to Rhonda and the folks at RNM Management. Thanks to Dwight at ddgcustoms.com. And thanks to Dan and the folks at Bob Anderson Builders. It is the Starks. What's his first name? James Starks episode of the Average Cheese. I like Starks. Me too. You know, 40, 44 could have been James Starks. Could have been Najee Davenport. Ooh. Oh, Najee Davenport. You could have told or, or, bags or of shit stories. Just especially for Todd, it could have been Ty Summers. Ty Summers. That's oh. going to be episode 544. Or you know what? I got a, I'm now emptying my jar. Restock. <laughs> but, it, but, it, but it's not. Just the name Ty not... Summers. Oh, that, he, he's... He's my one of the linebackers then. Yes. Ty Summers and AJ Hawk. Team. Ty Summers and AJ. Oh, or would it have been um what's his name? Who went to the Niners? Um or Burks. Or Burks. You're gonna have might like Burks, might be Burks and Summers. Burks and Summers. Todd's team will be like the 219 defense because you have two yeah. defensive linemen that he hated and 19 fucking linebackers. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> anyway. So Who number 44. Number four, in the end, it had to be Donnie Anderson. So Anderson was, a, you know, running back for the Packers through the mid-60s into the early 70s. Played his college ball at Texas Tech before he came to the to the Packers and was Packers' first-round pick, the seventh overall pick in the 1965 NFL draft. Interestingly, at that time, the AFL were holding separate drafts, so this was before the merger, and he was the second overall pick in the AFL draft by the Houston Oilers. What's also interesting about the pick of Anderson in the 65 draft, because he'd redshirted a year, he was actually able to be picked in the draft a year earlier than normally you were able to pick a player, even though he couldn't actually play for the Packers until 1960. So he was picked with what's called a futures pick in 1965. So he was picked in 65, went back and played another year at Texas Tech, and then came to the Packers in 66. And him and the Packers' first round pick in 66, Jim Grabowski, became known as the Gold Dust Twins because their combined contracts were over a million dollars, which was Mm. a lot of money back in those days. And that was really caused because of this bidding war between the AFL and the NFL for players at that point before the merger. So Anderson played halfback and punted for the Packers from 1966 to 71 and was a really solid player. He had three times he rushed for over 700 yards in a season, including 853 yards in 1970. And remember, these are 14-game seasons as well. Led the Packers in rushing in 68 and 1970. And probably his most famous game for the Packers was the Ice Bowl. And if you look at the last drive of the Ice Bowl, where the Packers drove 68 yards for that go-ahead score, Donnie Anderson and Chuck Messine who was another kind of unheralded running back, picked up nearly all the yards on that drive. But like I say, seven, and twice he led the Packers in rushing, say 68 and 70. And then in 71, when he rushed for 757 yards, John Brockington also rushed for 1,105 yards in that same season. So it's a pretty potent rushing attack that the Packers had then. 
And talking of Brockington, who, of course, we often kind of couple up with MacArthur Lane, it was Anderson that was traded to the St. Louis Cardinals for MacArthur Lane. So Lane came to the Packers and Anderson went to the Cardinals and he then played three years in St. Louis. In his six seasons for the Packers, he started 56 games, played in 84 and rushed for just over 3,000 yards, an average of four yards a carry. Also a good receiver coming out of the backfield, had 125 receptions, a 13.8-yard average, which is pretty wow. damn good for a back coming a out of the backfield. Yeah. Had 315 career punts, also returned kickoffs at a 22.3 average, and also returned some punts. Went to the Pro Bowl in 1968 and is a member of the Packers Hall of Fame. So it's one of those, you know, we always think of the running backs from that era, you know, Taylor and Horning. Well, I guess he was drafted to be Horning's kind of eventual replacement. And whilst he never reached those heights, was a really good player for the Packers for those for those six seasons and certainly worthy of us talking about him. Donnie Anderson. Putting you on the spot here, Peter. Was that year that Brockington ran for 1,100 yards and Anderson ran for 750, was that the most rushing yards by a Packer duo in history? I can tell you that there's a year, 72, I think it was, when Brockington rushed for 1,000 yards and MacArthur Lane had over 800. So that's okay. the closest... That's the closest the Packers have come to having two 1,000-yard rushes in a season, was Brockington and Lane. I don't know whether their combined total was higher than the 1,100 and the 700-odd that Anderson had in 1970. It would be very close, I would imagine. But it was the closest to 2,000-yard guys was the next Yeah, season. that was, that was um, Brockington and MacArthur Lane. So let's get on to the slices. First of all, the injury list is long for the Green Bay Packers. With a Thursday game, that's a problem. Dontavian Wicks, concussion protocol. Emmanuel Wilson, if he separated his shoulder, like you said, Todd, in the last episode, he's out. No chance. Probably several weeks. Just because they reset it doesn't mean it's going to feel better instantly. That That's going right. to take a while. For, well, not especially only that, for running back. Right. Shoulder, not only that, I mean, once your shoulder pops out, it's easier to pop out. Like that's that's a continual problem that he might have. And that's that sucks. He's got a high like running back IQ, it seems, when he's running with the football. Musgrave didn't practice today. Watson didn't practice today. Devondre Campbell didn't practice today. Like there's a lot of dudes that are Campbell was, I think, about twice in this game, uh with the Chargers game. I think twice he got rung, at least I know once for sure. He looks like that guy in that stage of his career. And I would put Aaron Jones in the same bucket, unfortunately, and it kills me to say that, but they look like the wear and tear of the NFL is knocking on their door. You can just tell. One minor injury compounds itself into another, into another, into another. Three of us may have to suit up the way, thing, the way things are going. When he looked at that injury list, it was like 15 guys or whatever seemed to be on that list. It might, might not have been quite as many as that, but it's a, it's a concern. And it's, um, I don't know, it makes you think about the Sunday to Thursday games. And I know that all the tradition behind the Thanksgiving Day games or whatever, but whether those teams that play, I don't know, cleverer people than I would have to work out the schedule for this, but whether those teams that play on the Thursday Thanksgiving game need a bye week the week before, or they play on the Thursday the week before, or however that would work, but short turnaround. Particularly when you're when you're a road, I don't know, it's not, it's not a vast trip, but still you're making that trip and you're pretty much taking out let's say, half a day of practice time or recovery time. It's difficult. It certainly gives an advantage to the, to the home team in, in those Thanksgiving Day games. 
Right, and it's the fucking Lions, and we it's not a team we need to be dinged up for, that's for sure. All right, we have questions from friends. We have one for each of us, which is perfect. Oh, First wow. one is for you, Peter. It's from a new follower of ours, Sharon Glorfield. Here goes. Would Lombardi stick with Jordan Love and keep working with him? Wow, what an awesome question. <laughs> that's I a, thought that's the same exact thing. That's a great <laughs> question. <laughs> That's a great question. When you look at Lombardi, so he had Bart Starr at the Packers. And then when he went to the Redskins, he had a totally different character in Sonny Jurgensen as his quarterback at the Redskins, but worked well with Jurgensen. The Redskins, as were the Washington football team, Washington Commanders, whatever we want to call them now. That was a team that had a winning season that one year. Lombardi was there with a completely different style of quarterback, different mentality of quarterback in Sonny Jurgensen, freewheeling, kind of strong-armed guy. What's interesting about Lombardi as well with Bart Starr is the first two seasons, 59 and 60, Lamar McCann started, I want to say, 11 games at quarterback across those two seasons. So they were 12-game seasons. So Lamar McCann started nearly half of the games in 59 and 60, not quite half, but, but getting on that way. And it really wasn't until, I think, late in the 1960 season that Lombardi started to get comfortable with Bart Starr at quarterback. And even then, and this is well documented, Lombardi was very interested in trading for the Cowboys quarterback, who was the backup then, Don Meredith, who went on to be the you know, very good starter for the Cowboys during, during the 60s. So Lombardi was prepared to work with different styles of quarterbacks, providing there was a guy that he could work with. So it was a guy that would eventually toe the line and had to be a cerebral type of type of guy. So do I think that he could work with Jordan Love? Absolutely, I do, yes. Now, it would take some time. I think that Lombardi would run on a pretty short leash, which he showed with both Lamar McCann and Bart Starr in those 59 and 60, 60 seasons. But I think absolutely he could. And I think one of the great things about Lombardi as a coach generally, and everybody kind of looks at him as this hard, driving his teams hard, driving everybody hard, et cetera, et cetera. One thing that Lombardi was good at was treating his players as individuals. So if you look at the way, you know, he loved Paul Horning and allowed Horning perhaps to get away with some stuff that he wouldn't allow other people to get away with. And it was because he, he understood that everybody's slightly different and he was able to, yes, there were certain lines that none of them could cross, but he was able to, I guess, show the facets of a real leader, a real man leader of men in being able to work with different personalities and 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 work to their style. So that's a long answer to a short question. But absolutely, yes, I do think he could have worked with Jordan Love. Todd, the next question is for you. It's from Paul from across the pond. Which of oh, these boy. factors has the most impact on the inaccurate passes that Jordan Love throws? Is it timing, footwork, or protection? I guess which one of those is the most prominent? Which one has the most impact, yep, on his inaccurate throws? For me, I'm, I'm going to stick with what I've kind of alluded to in previous podcasts this season, and, and it's timing. I think for generally his footwork is intact. They actually pointed out, as I say that, they did point out in this the broadcast, I can't remember which throw it was, that his footwork was off on a certain throw. But in general, footwork gets thrown off by the line, a lot of number of factors. But if I would say the, the one that's most prominent, I, I would say is the timing. And I think that's working with a young receiver core and developing that synergy with those guys and that group. A lot of times, I don't know that it, the timing is actually his fault either, because it, it goes both ways, right? Timing is also on the receiver, running the right route, looking the right way, like all those different things. If I had to pick one of those three, I would say it was timing. Right on. 
And the last question is from Jack. Are we now using this season to evaluate the coaching staff rather than Jordan Love and the young supporting cast around him? I say yes. I don't know if you're asking Jack whether the fan base is evaluating the coaching staff or that the Packer brass is evaluating the coach staff. We as a fan base are starting to get to that point where we're starting to figure out, like, is this the right coaching staff for this group of players? Do I know what Mark Murphy is doing? I don't. Like I said earlier in the podcast, I'm done evaluating Jordan Love I think he's made it to the point where we're starting to move on to other pieces and I think part of that is the coaching staff and I've questioned whether this coaching staff is the right coaching staff to coach young players or not I think it's a totally different skill set to coach established guys because you're just tweaking things compared to young guys where you're teaching them the game of professional football I'm not sure that this coaching staff is good at teaching young guys what they need to do. So for me, yes, I'm evaluating the coaching staff. I hope that Mark Murphy is too. I was going to add to that and say, realistically, this is Lafleur's first season as an NFL coach. I mean, the first couple of years with Rodgers, I mean, you can kind of throw those out, right? I mean, in, in a way, I mean, he got it's such an unusual situation to walk into as a first as a first year head coach in the NFL. So I feel like this is his actual first year of coaching in the NFL. Saying that, and with his staff that he has now, does he have enough experience himself to kind of make bold decisions by either replacing people or whatnot? So he's much younger as a coach than what in NFL years he's, what is he in his fourth year? Fifth? He went 13 and three, three years in a row. He had that last season with right. Rodgers and now this season. And he's with a brand new quarterback. So it's, it's really like a whole new era, a whole new beginnings. I wonder by him hanging on to Barry, by him, in, you know, not making those types of changes. It'll be interesting to see how he matures as a coach and manages his staff. The other part to that question, Jack asks, what changes do we expect in the offseason? None. I don't expect any changes at all. Do I want changes? Yes. Do I expect any? Really? Absolutely not. No, I I want them to fire Joe Barry. And I also think they should fire Adam Stenovich and bring in a mind, a different concept or a guy who is thinking differently than LaFleur rather than the guy that worked under LaFleur. Will they do that? Fuck no, they won't. Probably Joe Barry and Adam Stenovich will both be back, and we'll just run it back the same way we did in the beginning. Throw Rich Basashi in the same boat. I don't agree. He's, he's got to go. different on that guy. He's got to go. And it's probably in his best interest to move on and try to land a head coaching spot somewhere. His, his name has been in the hat in, at several organizations over the years. Maybe he's it's time to... And, and I mean, if he obviously, if he has an opportunity to do that, he's gone. But I would kick him to the curb even before that happens. Let's move on. Packers play the Lions this week on Thanksgiving Day, which they haven't done in maybe 10 years or so. It's been a long time since they've played. The Lions always play on Thanksgiving, right? I mean, I feel like they always do. But it used to be a thing back in the in the 50s and early 60s that the Packers would always play the Lions on Thanksgiving Day. Vince hated it, and Vince put a stop to it, the Packers. But really? there was always... Yeah, it was always Packers at Lions on Thanksgiving. You know, just a bit of history. The Packers on Thanksgiving play 36 times on Thanksgiving and have a losing record. They're 14, 20, and 2 on Thanksgiving Day games, which is a reason not to play on Thanksgiving. Yeah. They shit cans. Thanks, Vince. <laughs> All right, so their coaching staff. Dan Campbell is the head coach. He should have been the coach of the year last year. I think he probably will get it if the Lions continue on their trajectory and make the playoffs like they should. 
The offensive coordinator is Ben Johnson. Ben Johnson is probably going to get an NFL job. I think that he probably should, but I thought I heard him say or read something about him that he wanted to stay in Detroit as the offensive coordinator, which I think at some point the money and the stature of that will probably, he'll move on and he should. He's a young guy, but. Yeah. And I think you also have to bite the bullet when it's, you know, when the time's there, you almost can't pick and choose, you know, because let's say he doesn't take the job and they have some injuries next year and they're not as good next year, his opportunity may go. So I think you have to take that opportunity to strike while the iron's hot. Mark Brunel is the quarterback's coach, former Packer and Jacksonville Jaguar, Mark Brunel. The offensive line coach is Hank Fraley. Don't know who that is. Steve, Steve Hyden is the tight ends coach. Don't know who that is. Antoine Randall-L is the wide receivers coach. That's a name from the past. Wow. Former Steeler. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't know that. Shoot, he's doing a good job with Amon Ross St. Brown. Wasn't he uh, in college? He played quarterback, didn't he? He did. Yeah. Yeah. Indiana? Is that right? You might have that. That might be right. Defensive coordinator Aaron Glenn. I also think that he is going to get some looks at some point too. Dre Bly is their cornerbacks coach. Dre Bly is a a name that we probably have heard and... And remember from back in the day, Trey Bly was a lion. John Fox is a senior defensive dis- assistant. John Fox, former uh, Carolina Panthers coach, I want to say. There's always got to be an interesting name, and here it is. The assistant special teams coach is Jet Modkins with two T's. Jet. Nice. They have a female coach. The director of sports science is Jill Costanza. No relation to George. George's daughter, Jill. What else? John Dorsey. Peter put this in the notes. I wouldn't have known this. John Dorsey, the former Packer player and executive, is a senior personnel executive. There are no former Packer players on the roster of the Lions and no former Lions on the Packer roster. That's kind of rare. Corey Ballantyne. Oh. Oh. Corey Ballantyne played for the Lions? Four games for the Lions in 2021. And our friend Joe Barry sucked with the Lions as well as the defensive coordinator, as we've talked about (laughs) in the past. Sucked everywhere. Peter, who is your favorite draft pick of the Lions from this past draft? I know you love Jamison Williams back two years ago. He hasn't done jack shit. But, you know, he had the injury and then he was suspended and everything else. So, so now's the time for him to start to, start to show up. It's a really interesting draft by the Lions. What's interesting is that pick 12, Jamal Gibbs, nobody had him going that high other than you, Dale, when we did I our did. draft. Let's go. I think, we, I, I think we like Gibbs, particularly in today's NFL. You know, he's the type of running back that's going to be successful in today's NFL where he's not an every down back. And with David Montgomery there, he doesn't need to be that every down back. You know, he's got over 500 yards rushing this season, catches balls out of the backfield. He's going to move the chains for you and and not just move the chains. He's going to, he's a big playback as well. So, uh, so I think we really liked that pick. I guess the tight end, Sam Laporte, has been really good. You know, and he was in that group of tight ends that included Luke Musgrave and those guys, Michael Meyer and Notre Dame and all of that, that kind of group of five, if you like. But I think Sam Laporte has probably been as good as any of that group for them as a rookie. I guess the other pick that was interesting for me was Hendon Hooker, the quarterback out of Tennessee. Probably would have been a first-round pick. I don't know how far along he is, you know, in his recovery, but at some point... Presumably, he's the guy that they may have taking over from Jared Goff. Although the way Jared Goff's playing, that might not be for a while yet. I thought the draft was pretty damn good. You know, to be able to pick a guy like Hendon Hooker, who you know will not play for you, is a real we've made it type of decision. I guess they're eight and two, which I didn't really realize. They almost got beat by the Bears. Did you see any of that game yesterday? 
I did. Yeah. It's almost down like by... they like sleepwalked through the first two and a half quarters of that game. Oh, no. Down by 12 with like four minutes or something like that. But the Bears are the Bears. They, they did bear things. Did bear things. But yeah, I... they're a tough team, man. And I think, I know you don't like Jared Goff. I've always thought he was solid. But He's solid. He's a good he player. Is. He's and, a and I mean, player. Right now he's got he's got like the highest quarterback rating. He's the highest PFF guy, highest PFF yeah. rated quarterback. I don't know about after this week, but before this week's games, he was. Stacked full of draft picks. I mean, and they're playing well. They're coached well. They've beaten a lot of tough teams along the way. They're proven now. I think earlier in the season, I was like kind of on the fence whether or not they would hit the wall and kind of slide off. You know, here we are in week 11 and they're eight and two. So you can't really knock them at all. They are now one of the top five teams in the NFL. They're not going to go eight and nine or something, right? Like they're not going to, they're not flashing the pan team. This is a good football team, solid on both offensive and defensive lines. They're not going to all of a sudden fall apart. Peter, what do you like on offense? They got a good offensive team. It's actually difficult to find any holes on their on their offense. I guess you're picking up holes probably like who's the second wide receiver, right? That's where you're kind of looking. But but you look at those top rated guys, Armand Russ and Brown, you know, nearly nine hundred yards receiving through through 10 games. Sam Laporta, as we said earlier, at tight end, 50 receptions already, two running backs. Over 500 yards each, David Montgomery and Jamal Gibbs. The offensive line is good. It's really difficult to find anywhere on that offense that, that you can exploit as a defense, I would I would say. I would imagine that you double up Armand Russ and Brown and hope one of the other and force one of the other guys to have to beat you in the passing game all round. You know, and this is how it was with Detroit last season. Even when they started one and six or one and seven, whatever it was that they started before they went on a roll, they had like the number one ranked offense and the 32nd ranked defense or some or something like that. So this offense has been really good for two seasons now. And it is good. Got any other thoughts on their offense? Nothing other than I, the Montgomery and Gibbs combination really scares me for this game. I don't know how we're in, in a strong offensive line. I, I honestly, in the Packers' lack of, they're having a lot of tackling issues. I have a feeling it, it's going to be a, a long day. And I think the, the Lions are going to rack up. Dan Campbell is, is no idiot, obviously. I think he's going to come in with a strong, heavy rushing attack. It's going to be a punch-in-the-mouth football game. I wonder if Jonah Jackson will play. He was out, so I'm not sure if he'll play. Even if he doesn't, their offensive line is still that good. I would agree. And you don't have to be the smartest guy in the room to know that it, if I got a good offensive line and two good running backs, I'm going to run it every goddamn play until until the Packers stop. I just that's not rocket science. Yeah. And that's what all teams should be doing. Now, not all teams can do that, a.k.a. the Rams. What about on defense, Peter? It starts up front with Aiden Hutchinson, doesn't it? And, you know, second overall pick from a couple of years ago leads the Lions with five and a half sacks. Four tackles for a loss, a couple of forced fumbles, a couple of fumble recoveries. He pretty much does it all, plays strong against the run. There are guys in the league, out-and-out out pass rushers, that are going to have higher sack numbers than Aiden Hutchinson, but I don't think there's a player on the defensive line in the league that plays harder for longer than Aiden Hutchinson does, and he makes plays, and it starts up there. Next to him, Aleem McNeil, defensive tackle, has got five sacks. You know, they're strong up front on the defensive line. You know, and I think that leads to them forcing turnovers. It leads to the likes of Jerry Jacobs and Kirby Joseph picking balls off at the back end. So again, you know, this is a line that's, they rank ninth overall on defense. Fifth against the run, 16th against the pass. It's it's a tough 
tough defense to move the ball on. I was doing a little bit of research for this game. John Kaminsky, who plays on the other side of Aiden Hutchinson, went to Charleston College in West Virginia. There's like eight people at that college. Like it's a very small school. It's interesting. They've got a couple guys on their roster that have gone to like really small schools. How do you find a guy like that? Your scouting team or whatever you call them, your personnel department has really done a good job when you have guys from colleges like that and they start for you. They're not just fringe, like special teams guys. Ali McNeil is better than I expected him to be. Again, I remember stuff that you talk about Peter with the draft. You're talking about him as being a zero technique, like on the nose kind of guy, but he's been more versatile than that. I mean, he's not just a hole plugger. Five sacks, shit, we'd love to have five sacks out of an interior lineman for the Packers. Alex Anzalone is a good player, too. He's a solid linebacker. Where is the the rookie Campbell? Off the top of my head, I think he's like second on the team in tackles. He's been pretty solid. He went slightly higher in the draft than I thought it, probably a round higher than I thought it would go, but I think he's been pretty solid. Any other thoughts on their defense before we move on? Anzalone's got 81 tackles already. I mean, I know it's a team high, but like that seems, wow. Going to close in on 130, 140 tackles probably for the year. That's stupid. <laughs> it is stupid. Right? He, he'll have, yes, around 140 tackles. Like a player like him, like Peter, if, if I'm going to do my my team, you need to do your hair on fire team. Anzalone would be a hair on fire guy. You think? Is yeah, he yeah. a hair on fire guy because he's got the he long is. locks? Watch him play. He's a hair on fire guy. The Lions are second in offense and ninth in defense, whereas the Packers are 21st in offense and 17th. And how are we 17th in defense? It's because we played bad teams, right? 17th seems a bit high. Stop being so negative, Dale. I don't like it. The over-under is 45 and a half. And the Lions are seven and a half point favorites at home on Thanksgiving. I'm going first today. I think that it will be under. I think the game will be under the 45 and a half points because I don't think the Packers can score enough to get there. I think they will lose 28-17. So the Lions will cover and it will still be under the 45 and a half. Todd, you're next. I've got the over. Okay. And the Lions. I think they'll cover. I have a feeling there might be a tipping point in this game early on where it could kind of get out of hand i have a feeling like if the packers can stop that from happening they could stay within the game but i have a feeling there's gonna be a a point in this game where things could get really out of control really fast in either of those scenarios i think i still think that the lines will cover and i also you're gonna give a score prediction man i hate to do this to the packers i really do 38 17 lions wow I think it could get ugly. I have a feeling like the, I don't feel as though the defense or Barry can make the adjustments when presented with that scenario of things are about to, there's going to be the some rails. turnovers. There's going to be maybe a special teams thing. There's going to be some big plays by the Lions offense and the running game is going to start to beat them up. I feel like all of that is like a perfect storm that could potentially happen. Survive that they could keep themselves in the game. And by the looks on Peter's face, he's going to pick a Thanksgiving miracle. Do you remember the 1986 Thanksgiving Day game, Packers at Lions? The Packers won 44-40. Walter Stanley returned a punt for a touchdown in like the last minute of the game. Having previously caught, Having previously caught two other touchdown passes in that game. 44-40. <laughs> having said all of that, 
<laughs> Much as I'd like a repeat of that, I think the Lions are going to put up a lot of points in this game. What Todd said earlier, I, I, what you both said, I think the Lions are going to run the football and that's going to draw the Packers out of this too deep shell coverage and only then will they throw the football. And I, and I think the, the Packers' defence is not going to know whether it's coming or going in this game. I think the Lions score 41, trying to work out whether the Packers get into a shootout early and then fall away. And that's what I'm going to... I'm going to predict it's it's 41-28 Lions. Oh, so the Lions almost go over all on their own. They go almost go over the 45 and a half all on their own. All right. I should really be writing these down so we can see. I, I know. I we, ne- we never keep track. I'll just go back and listen to all the episodes and get all the scores and see how close we are. All right. So thanks for listening to episode 144 of the Average Cheese Podcast. The Donnie Anderson episode. Go pack, go. Go pack, go. Pack, go.